The opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. Hello everybody, this is Brian Jose. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be welcoming Eric Salaji of the Uncomfortable Podcast. But that is... You know, I, I had some experiences when my dad passed away that, um, oddly enough, didn't start until about nine, nine or 10 months after he died. I guess I was always under the impression that, you know, some like a visitation from somebody that had passed or that you were close with a relative um, would kind of be a, an immediate thing. And I, it, I don't think that's necessarily always the case. Um, I didn't have anything happen for, for quite a while. And then, like I said, about nine or 10 months after that, I had some pretty significant stuff, um, that just left me completely, um, I had no more questions. There were, there were no questions anymore. Um, completely and totally, um, convinced that people can reach out from, from beyond death and, uh, I think that I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, I think that's a, you know, in the right context. I think that's a that's a <laughs> a very special gift that that person gets to uh, to have that interaction. Um, and then you know, it was it was a few months, um, and then it was done. It was done. It was gone. Um, never, never have felt his presence, never have felt that, uh, anything weird that I've encountered since then has been related to him. Um, it was, it was a very, you know, even though it was a couple of months long, that's a very short period of time, you know, um, it was, it was strange. It was very, very convincing and very eye opening. So, you know, we talked about, you know, going out and doing investigations and stuff. And, you know, I have friends of mine that are investigators and, you know, it seems like they're always out to prove something. They're always out to capture that, that one thing that somebody's going to, you know, nobody's going to be able to deny when they see this video or this photo, you know? Um, and to me, it's like, if I go to do something like that, I go to experience it, not, not with the intent of, um, trying to capture it and improve to, to a handful of people that, you know, I had this experience because I just, I, I know I, I don't need to, you know, I, I think you get that with people who have had, um, a Sasquatch encounter, um, those people, they know and believe them or not, they don't care. We're, we're, I, you know, they're not seeking anything anymore. They, they saw what they saw and they know what they, they experienced. So. Yeah. That's like mine. When I do investigate mine's for the experience because the way I figured is always like it, you're never going to capture that evidence. That's going to make everybody believe because even if you had the greatest thing out there, they're going to go, Oh, you're faked it. Especially like with CGI and everything. Yeah. Oh, you faked it. You're making it up or you're mistaken at something else. Like most people are still going to deny it. Even. <laughs> Yeah. Just because it is so easy to fake, you know, fake. Yeah, evidence. absolutely. It is. And and it's getting worse because now with the advent of all this AI stuff, you know, um, you know, Bigfoot is a passion of mine. I, I love stuff about Bigfoot. 
but now like on Instagram or, you know, all these different social media outlets, you see all these, these pictures of these really cool looking Bigfoot that, you know, look like they were taken um, back during the time where photos were in that sapia um, color format. And, you know, it, the one thing, and I don't understand why, but the one thing that AI doesn't get right very well are hands. And almost every time now when I'm looking at a picture, it's like, wow, that's pretty convincing. I always look to the hands. And if the hands look screwed up, I'm like, nope, that's AI. You know, so, so, so far, um, I'm sure they're going to make advances in that and it won't be so easy to, to recognize. But right now I'm like, nope, the hands are screwed up. I'm not, I'm not buying it. Um, but, you know, you, you asked me um, before we started recording about the, uh, the orb that I saw. Um, and I, I bring that up because in the photograph, I took a couple of photographs of my hand with the scratches on it from the jail. And I posted it on my discord because I have a, an evidence channel in my discord. And I was like, Hey guys, just throwing this out here. You know, this is, this is where the circumstances and this is the result of what my hand looks like. And in one of the photographs, there is a very small greenish blue teardrop shaped orb. That's, you know, looks like it's maybe a half inch away from my hand. Um, looks like maybe, maybe about the size of a sunflower seed, um, kind of elliptical. And the one thing I've known, noticed that with cell phone cameras, if there's any kind of a light source within view of the lenses of your camera or your phone, anything that's blue or green that shows up as an orb you're going to pretty much be able to draw a complete perfect straight line from where the light source was to that orb. And it's definitely some kind of a reflection. So for me, orbs in photographs have always been a hard sell because I've been places where I've taken pictures and it's quite obviously dust, um, you know, light reflecting off of uh, infrared cameras um, on bugs, stuff like that they don't look like bugs anymore because they got bright light bouncing off of them because they got that shiny little powder on their wings and it looks like an orb, but it's not. Um, so photographs of orbs, you know, uh, the people on discord, I was like, you know, hey, maybe, you know, but to me personally, I'm like, it had to be something to do with the lighting in the place that I took the picture. And, and that's what, that's what led to it. But, um, when my kids were probably 13 and 14, Ghost Adventures was a weekly family night. We always sat and watched it. Um, they had bugged me for weeks that they wanted to take some of their friends and go on a ghost hunt. And I was aware of a, a very old cemetery that was very near our house. And uh, so we drove about 15 minutes. We got there. Um, I had, I think, maybe five kids with me. We stood at the gates of the cemetery. I said, listen, this is the final resting place for some people. You know, this is, this is where, this is it. So if we go in here, you don't walk across the graves. You're respectful. You don't screw around. There's not a bunch of hooting and hollering. You know, be respectful. 
And, and I have to say that all of them acted accordingly. I was, I was very proud of them. Um, my son, he, he took his cell phone, his Apple phone, opened up the voice notes and hit record and started walking around, um, using it as a, a digital recorder for trying to pick up EVPs. And, uh, I walked around, I had a, I had a camcorder, a Sony, uh, camcorder in one hand, and I had a Kodak digital 10 X, uh, optical, uh, camera in the other. And I just walked around and I filmed and I took pictures and I, you know, everybody always says, take three pictures, you know? So everything I took a picture of, it was click, click, click. And, uh, we had made our way pretty much around the whole thing. Some really, really old, um, gravestones in there from, um, the really early 1800s. I was really surprised that they went back. They dated back that far. Um, there was a house very nearby that was obviously the, the caretaker of the property. Um, and my daughter walked up towards the, the front of the cemetery as you get closer to the road. And there were two there, the whole cemetery was, uh, on three sides of it, uh, were outlined by tree line. And I don't know how far back the woods went or not. Um, I took some pictures as I was walking through and I actually got a picture that, uh, I don't know if you want to add these into your, I can send them to you if you want. Um, it, it looks like a death mask. It literally looks like a theater mask, you know, like, uh, Motley Crue's theater of pain album you yeah. know, has the two masks. It literally looks like a mask like that in, in the woods where I took this picture. Um, so that was kind of creepy. Uh, my son ended up getting an EVP that I didn't tell him about for years because it would have just freaked the hell out of him. And it sounded like a woman saying, you don't belong here. Um, not in a, not in a scary way, not in a threatening way. When I listened to it, I got the impression it was like an old lady kind of, you don't belong here, you know, kind of shaking her finger at you. Um, that, that's what my gut was. And I didn't tell him about that until I bet until he was 21, cause that would have just freaked the hell out of him. Um, and, uh, I had taken another picture, a series of pictures at a, there were two identical headstones. Um, they were so old that everything was worn off considerably worn off of it. Um, the one looked like maybe the last two numbers of the date, uh, the date of death might've been like 17. So I don't know if that would have been 1817. Um, it, I, I don't know, but one of the headstones was broken half and the broken piece was leaning up against the, the other part that was still on the ground. And then the one beside it was still in one piece. And I took three pictures of it. And then the first picture, it's perfectly clear in the middle picture. And then the picture on the end of it was the, the third one was perfectly clear. But in that middle picture, there is a, there is a mist that has a very definite shape to it. And the, the pixelation 
that it created in the picture itself was so weird compared to it, it. You could tell that the camera focused on the, on the mist in the first and the third picture, the camera pretty much just focused on everything and the, the bushes and the trees behind it were, were relatively clear uh, as far as the focus was concerned. But in the middle picture where that mist had appeared, it looked like the camera's focus tried to focus on the mist because everything behind it was blurred, you know, kind of had that bokeh effect. Um, and that was, that was uniquely weird, but you know, it was, it was summertime. It was, it was hot during the day, cooled off in the evening. Maybe, you know, maybe it was steam coming off of one of the gravestones. I mean, could have been anything. It looks weird though. In the picture, um, I ended up tracing it with, a, um, with a digital pen, just drawing the outline of everything. And to me, it looks like somebody standing there leaned over at the hip with their hands on their, um, about down to their knees. I see what I think is like the, the cuff of a sleeve. Uh, it looks like the face has a mustache to it. I mean, it, uh, <laughs> again, I could be completely wrong, but um, it, it's pretty convincing to me. Uh, but my daughter had walked up to the front of the, the graveyard and there were two really big old oak trees. And I was maybe 20 yards away from her. And she goes, dad, dad, come back here. It's, it got cold back here. And I was like, yeah, sure. It didn't reach, <laughs> you know, it, it got cold. Um, so I, I walked back there and I had the camcorder in one hand. I had the, the digital camera in the other. And uh, I walked between those two trees to where she was. And I was like, oh, shit. It did get considerably colder back here. It was much cooler, you know, and it was dark out. So it wasn't like we walked out from into the shade from, from the sunlight or anything. Um, so I thought that was kind of, kind of strange. And there was about a, a six foot tall monument that looked very much like, like the Washington monument, you know, it had four sides and then up at the top, it had like the pyramid sitting up at the top and it was sitting on a base. that was maybe a, a foot. Um, the the base looked like it was uh, raw stone, and then the the um, the pillar was was polished. And uh, we're standing there talking about, you know, man, Rach, you're right, man. It's it's cold back here, and right in front of us, both her and I, this orb and when i say orb this thing manifested out of nowhere and it it produced its own light because i could see the reflection of it in the polished part of the um the monument and it maybe got maybe got to the size just just a little bit smaller than a golf ball it started from nothing and it just kind of came right into view in front of us. And it was, it was up near the top of the monument, not quite to the pyramid part of it. It popped up. 
it had a, a bluish hue to it, but like the, um, the, the white that it kind of the glow to it, I would say would have been more white, but like the body of it had a bluish hue and it just popped into existence and it did this little ziggity zag thing. And then poof, it was gone. It wasn't like it took off. It wasn't like I could watch it and see it disappear off in the distance. It just poof, it was gone. And, uh, my, my daughter who was like 12 at the time, and she's like, did you see that? And I said, yeah, I did. And I looked down and the record button was pushed. The, the camcorder was recording and, uh, I put it on the computer when we got home and sure enough, I caught it. Um, now it is on, it is on a hard drive that I have sitting over on my other desk here. That computer went blue screen, uh, a few years ago. I, I can't bring myself to, to throw away the hard drive because I know at some point I'm going to, I'm going to run into somebody who has, um, better, better equipment or better senses than geek squad, uh, that'll be able to, um, retrieve the information that's on there. But I, I got the, I got the video, I put it into pinnacle. I think pinnacle 10 at the time is the editing software I was using. And I slowed it down to, uh, I made a DVD with it and I had it at regular speed. I slowed it down to 25% speed, um, 50% of regular speed, and then 75% of regular speed. And that whole thing, when you slowed it down to 75%, you see everything. It, I didn't even have to do like motion tracking to it or anything. It wasn't just bouncing all over the place. I just it happened in front of the camera the way I was holding it. And it literally just comes out of nowhere. And as it starts to grow to about the size of that golf ball, you can see the reflection of it in the polished part of the monument. And then it does this little quick ziggity zag thing. And then poof, it was gone. And now to me, that's an orb. That is a true orb. What was it? I don't know. Was it, was it somebody's, <clears throat> was it somebody's spirit energy? Was it their, you know, the, the essence of their soul? I don't know what the hell it was, um, but it wasn't there. Then it was there. Then it was gone. Um, so for me, that is now the standard for an orb. <laughs> um, things in photographs, you know, I'll give it consideration and I'll, 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 take your word for it that you saw it when you took the picture. Um, but that is for me, that's the standard of what I would consider an orb. Yeah, that would be for mine too. It's like, you have to actually see it with your visible eye and be able to rule out, but I kind of want to hear some of my story. So like on these actually happened over like two years. Cause like, uh, I would do like this Bigfoot training up in the UP with the upper peninsula, Bigfoot and Sasquatch resource organization. So the one we're inside of the campground and like me and this other guy are sitting, we're sitting back to back. And the, the first year, so I'm just sitting there, I keep seeing this white light off to the side of my head. I'm like, so I keep, that's how I go back to this other guy's band. I'm like, okay, are you turning your flashlight on? He's like, no, no, my flashlight's not on. 
you know, he's like, I am a team. It's like, all of a sudden, like, the other big the guys from the Bigfoot team come up, walking up, and all of a sudden, I see the light go like this, go in front of my face, and go, like, around them. And they saw it, too. <laughs> They're like, what was that? <laughs> so that was one of them. And then, like, the next year we went out there, we're, we're still in the same area, but we're, we weren't in the campground. We were out. There's this other spot. And, like, this area is, like, five miles from, like, the nearest house because it's between it's like right on the border between like a state forest and a national wildlife like reserve so there's like nothing for like five miles from there and this is over the bridge this is in the up right this is up yeah in the middle of the upper peninsula yeah so this other spot we go down this trail we go up on this hill because like they like to go up there because they would look down because there's this big valley underneath that's where they like to go to look for bigfoot because you have that they all the high ground advantage up there yeah so like as we're up there, all of a sudden we start seeing these bluish white lights off in the distance down back on the trail side. And we just see like a bunch of them, there's probably, I want to say about 10 of them or so back off in the distance. And all of a sudden, like they had like two of them started coming towards us. Like one of them was following the, because it was like a trail that kind of curves and was following the trail up. Yeah. And the other one was coming up just off of the trail. But they would come up to like the, there's like on top of the hill, there's like a clearing, then there's like the woods. So like they would come up to like that tree line and stop. Like they had like the intelligence. One of them was like kind of like behind the tree and seemed like it was kind of, you know, you know, poking its head out about four foot off the ground, which unfortunately I had my camera rolling, but because it's so dark, there's not enough light camera to pick it up, unfortunately. But those are the ones that we've seen. There was like me and like five other people and we were all seeing these. We're like they definitely have an intelligence to them because they're it acts like you know like two of them are like scouts almost right yeah so, yeah that's a, that's a really interesting aspect to to yeah. the the bigfoot uh, mythos um, you know a lot of people throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to the the woo aspects um, but it's it's so prevalent in so many accounts that people are seeing these lights in the woods and stuff and and you know, in association with either prior to or, or after um, having some sort of experience with these things. And it, it is such an interesting thing that, you know, I, I wonder, you know, you know, there's some people that suspect that, you know, maybe that's, that's their form, you know, uh, at, at some point. Um, and then they, they, turn into the actual Sasquatch. Um, some people associate it with, you know, possibly like some kind of a portal that these things are coming through. Um, you know, I mean, I love those kind of theories and, and I entertain them and, and it's a lot of fun to think about, but, you know, in, until I see a, an actual portal uh, develop in front of my face, portals are a really cool idea, but I, you know, I don't know <laughs> That that's that's really a thing. Um, I hope it is, but my logical mind tells me maybe not. Um, but I have I have given consideration, you know, like so where I felt like I had been zapped. Um, I I think that that was a I think that was a vocal frequency, right? I think that was uh, some people suspect that you know Sasquatch Bigfoot. Um, might have multiple uh, sets of at least two sets of vocal cords. Um, interesting, interesting theory. Um, if that's the case, and if they have control over a wider range of frequencies with their 
vocal capabilities. Um, you know, people, people talk about um, them, you know, cloaking or morphing, um, you know, disguising themselves, uh, making themselves invisible, taking, turning around, taking one step and then boom, they're gone. Um, I spoke with a woman who had an experience that where she had the experience um, as she was fleeing the area, when she looked back at the area that she was in, uh, which she was very, very familiar with, um, spent a lot of time there, knew the place like the back of her hand. When she looked back to see if this thing was like in pursuit of her, um, she said that when she looked back, the entire landscape was not what it should have looked like. She said it looked completely different. You know, yes, the sky was still blue, the trees still brown, leaves were still on the ground, but it did not look right. Um, and that that kind of set me to thinking that if if infrasound as a weapon, like they've used in the uh, the Cuban um, consulate. Um, a few years back, the Havana syndrome. Um, one of what, what's one of the, uh, the things that they claim is a, a side effect of what these people were experiencing blurred division, um, because of the, because of the frequency that they were getting hit with. And if these things have a vocal capability, cause we know that they can create ungodly loud howls and whoops and, uh, that, you know, when people do get recordings of these things, they don't fall within the same frequency as a human voice. Um, what if they have the capability of, of changing our visual perception because of the frequency that they can produce? Maybe, maybe they're not disappearing. Maybe they're not going into predator mode. Maybe they're just altering our ability to see them by a frequency that they're pr producing. Um, I know that's far-fetched, but I mean, there's a lot of far-fetched things out there. Um, this kind of has a little bit of merit, I think, in that we know already that they can produce frequencies beyond that of human capability. And, you know, the, the other thing is, it's like when you get into uh, paranormal experiences, you go into a haunted house, what do you get? A lot of times you get knocks, right? Um, you hear knocks when you're out bigfooting. What's one of the most common things you hear people talking about how they're hearing tree knocks. What if they're not a tree knock? What if, what if when you're in your paranormal investigation, it's not a knock on the wall. What if that is one of the peripheral sounds that happens when that is, when that energy or that entity or that ghost or whatever you want to call it, is entering our perception. What if that, what if that's an accompanying, an accompanying sound that's produced, we associate it with being a knock because it sounds like a knock, but what if that's just actually a sound that's being produced when they come into our perception? And I also think about that as far as the lights are concerned, you know, maybe that's a peripheral aspect of, of these unusual things coming into our perception. Um, I don't know. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's strange. It really is. And those lights are reported in so many different Bigfoot experience, you know, 
the thing that the thing that kind of annoys me about I love Bigfoot as a topic. I do. Um, but the thing that kind of annoys me is that when you have the people like Jeff Meldrum, um, Cliff Berrickman, uh, some of the other guys that, that take this subject seriously and have done a lot for the subject matter over the last 20, 25 years. Um, but they rely and, and lean on science so heavily that they absolutely will not, they will not entertain the woo aspects that are so commonly reported with these things because they don't have any science to lean against. Um, it's easy to talk about the foot morphology of, of a set. It's easy to talk about why the foot bends differently. It's easy, easy to explain that the, um, the, the skeletal structure and the muscle structure of that foot would be so much different, even though it looks somewhat like our feet, it would be so much different because of the amount of weight that it's carrying, how it has to travel uneven terrain, stuff like that. You can lean against that scientifically. How are you going to lean against, you know, lights that are arbitrarily showing up in the middle of the wood line? Um, you can't lean against that. So they, they refuse to talk about it because they don't have any, they don't have any crutch to lean on. And even though I get that, I still think it's a disservice to the topic because those are things that should be talked about because they come up so often. I don't think it's just people making it up, you know, and, and if, if, if anything, it takes an, a subject that's already incredibly interesting and makes it even more interesting. Um, but they won't entertain it. So, you know, that's kind of a frustrating thing for me. Um, you know, I guess, you know, to take it to an extreme, um, Stacy Brown Jr. <clears throat> out of Florida, um, his, his Bigfoot research has kind of taken a turn in the past couple of years where he's starting to implement um, a lot of paranormal investigation techniques when he's out investigating for Bigfoot. Um, you know, and, and he's had some pretty remarkable evidence that's come up, you know, um, are these things all from the same, uh, I don't want to say from the same place, but you know, are all these things something that is, is common to just being outside of our perception on a regular basis? I mean, when people see a Bigfoot, are, are they in an area that, you know, let's say the veil is thinner or, you know, there's, there's something, something atmospheric there that's allowing them to see this sounds ridiculous to say, but, you know, into a different dimension or a different, uh, a different light value or a different, you know, is there a frequency that they're being privy to just because of where they're at or the conditions are just right. And they can see, I don't know, it's, it's super strange, you know, why are these things so hard to find? Um, well, one answer is because they don't exist. You know, the second answer is there are thousands and thousands of reports of these things. There are a ton of people who have nothing to gain by coming out and saying that they saw these things, yet they're willing to take the, the, the brash uh, insults and the, the eye rolls and everybody in the town calling them crazy because they saw Bigfoot. <clears throat> And, and they just want to tell their story. They got to get it off their chest. Um, you know, I tend to believe that. 
I think, I think they do exist. I don't know what they are. You know, my, my scientific mind makes me want to say that there's something of this natural world. Um, but when you start looking back into Native American, uh, passed down Native American uh, stories about them, they all say, all the tribes say that they, you know, they've got one world in our, one foot in our world and one in the other. Um, you know, those same Native Americans, they talked about the star children, you know. So all this stuff that we talk about, like on, on my show, um, Uncomfortable covers the umbrella of paranormal, you know, everything from uh, somebody going through a spiritual awakening to I've talked to demonologists, I've talked to um, I talked to a reverend in the Church of Satan out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, I've talked to people who have experienced extraterrestrials, people that have seen UFOs. I mean, I cover everything. Nothing's nothing's off limits um, within reason. Um, you know, but there's so many, there's so many consistencies when you start, when you start breaking down these people's experiences and the things that, that happened during that experience, so many of them correlate to other completely different types of experiences that it's like, I, I can't help but think that all of it is connected in a way. Um, not necessarily that they're all from the same place. But I certainly think that it's it's all connected. And however that those things are coming into our perception, it's happening relatively the same way in each of those experiences. So, yeah, that's one of the things that always fascinates me. That's why I like to study. Like, I started very much more into the paranormal investigating, you know, the ghost hunting mm -hmm. side. But as it's gone on, I've always got had more of the interest of well, there's other stuff too. I want to explore this other stuff. And a lot of times I think there is some sort of interconnection, which I don't really know what, <laughs> what it is that kind of connects them, but there's definitely, it seems like there's areas where you have just a lot of weird stuff goes on where it's like, you get like a lot of UFO sightings, you know, cryptid sightings, ghost stories, like, well, what's going on in this area? Why is they're all, you know, you have all these different things going on and <laughs> yeah. well, I don't know. Um, you remember a show called uh, Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah. Okay, so Netflix rebooted that show. Um, and if you go to season three, episode two, um, I think it's called What Was in the Michigan Sky. It was about the UFO flap that happened over Lake Michigan, uh, 1994, March of 1994. The, um, the, the weather radar up in Muskegon picked them up on their radar. And if you haven't seen it, that episode, they did a phenomenal job of covering that, that story. It was really well done. Um, uh, um, Bill Konkoleski, the, the Michigan MUFON state director, he's in it. The weatherman who was actually stationed there in Muskegon, he's a, a, a very large part of the, the show. And I actually had both of them on my show to discuss that because one of my friends who I worked with up until about a year ago, um, when I first started doing this show, I said, Hey, John, do you ever have any screwed up stuff? You know, that something that you, you can't explain. And he's like, man, eh, not really. He's like, but there was one time when I was at uh, Grand Mirror state park and Grand Mirror is right on the shore of Lake Michigan. I said, oh, yeah, what happened there? And he's like, oh, we were out there and we were partying. And he's like, you know, 
we were partying. He's like, but we saw these lights out over Lake Michigan. And he's like, man, they were like, they didn't move fast. They'd stop and then they'd start moving again. But he's like, and then all of a sudden they'd be gone in a, in a blink of your eye, but then they'd be over here and you could still see them, but they were further away. And uh, I'm like, no kidding. And he's like, yeah, we were at the time back in the, when they were there, Grand Mirror was, you know, you could stay there past whatever park closing time was. And uh, he said, the really weird thing was, he's like, once they took off and they were gone, we didn't see them anymore. He said it was like two or three minutes and all of a sudden across from, from across the lake, like coming out of Chicago, he said, you could just hear these planes coming. And he said it was definitely two military jets that came straight out of the West, headed East and flew right over, um, right over the state park where they were at. Um, and I'm like, like they were in pursuit and he's like, I think so. And, uh, so he had told me about that well before I saw that episode. And uh, so I watched the episode and it was March of 94, March of 93 or 94. I forget which one. And uh, I was like, holy crap, man, this sounds like really similar to what John told me. So I called John and I said, Hey, you remember when you told me you saw those uh, UFOs out over the, the lake? And he's like, yeah. And I said, when was that? And he's like, dude, I don't remember. He's like, you know, it was early nineties sometime. And he's like, the only reason I can tell you that is because I knew who I was with and you know, the time, time frame of when I used to hang out with him. And I was like, uh, all right. And he's like, the only thing I could tell you is I remember there was a huge plume of smoke that was coming like out of the South end of the lake. And I was like a big, big, huge, plume of smoke and he's like yeah just this big black rolling plume of smoke that was coming out of the south the southern end of the lake he's like maybe towards like gary or something and uh i was like that's weird i don't remember anything about that so i started i went online and i started looking in 1994 there was a tire fire at a place in gary and that thing burned for months they couldn't put it out it just had black rolling smoke just rolling out of that thing for months. So I pinpointed it to, it was the of 94, which March of 94 was when the thing in Muskegon happened. And that, that event took place. They, they first picked up on them in Muskegon and it worked its way all the way down towards me as far South as Benton Harbor before it actually moved out into farther out into the lake. And in that episode, they talk about the last place that they had pinpointed on the radar. The, they were over the only open area of water in March. So they were over open water. They weren't over frozen, frozen lake anymore. And he said, at that point, those three lights, the three, there are three objects that he was getting returns on the radar. He said at one point there was nearly 20 that had moved into that area and were like alternating going up to higher altitudes, coming back down. And so I talked to Bill Konkoleski and I said, Hey, is there any chance that this could have been an ongoing flap 
you know, when, you know, obviously this part of it started in March, but I said, I got a buddy of mine that puts them at um, Grand Mirror State Park during the summer and saw the same identical thing that these guys are reporting. Now, in the episode, they said there were over 300 people that had called in this event in, in March uh, throughout the coastal area between Muskegon and Benton Harbor. Um, Bill actually said there were a number of continuing uh, reports and sightings called in by people throughout, throughout the summer. So um, all that to say that, you know, I think what we had going on was an ongoing flap. And for whatever reason, they were really, really interested in the waters of Lake Michigan. Yeah, I know so. that's one of the reports. Some of the people were that uh, they were seeing it actually sucking the water up. Yeah. Yeah. Like a reverse water spout. Yeah. 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 yeah so not like we did an episode with, uh, yeah, it was Jack Bouchon was a meteorologist and yep. uh, Bill. we did an episode as well, which I'll put that down in the links for our show and for, uh, and for your episode with them yeah. as well. It was, uh, it was, that was a lot of fun getting to talk to those guys. Um, I've, I've had a couple of interviews with, uh, with Bill and he's, he's always just a great guy and always willing to, uh, always willing to give of his time to, to do these things. So, yeah. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, that, that's a small, that's a fraction of some of the things that uh i've i've had happen in my life and uh i mean we could sit here for hours and you know the thing i guess the first time that i went into a lot of them uh was when i appeared on the the confessionals podcast and you know i i sat down and i i wrote out you know each of the each of the events that that stood out to me that I remembered having happened throughout my life. And I can remember sitting there looking at that piece of paper and it's like, if I sit there and talk about all this stuff, people are going to think I'm out of my freaking mind, you know, that I'm just a, just a whack job. Um, you know, but I mean, it spans, you know, starting at around five till, you know, I'm 57 now, almost 58. So, you know, it, it's spread out. It's not like I have something weird happen on a daily or weekly basis. I've just had a number of things happen throughout the course of my life that have been strange, you know, and it, it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder um, why, you know, does, does everybody have a bunch of weird things that happen to them throughout their life and they're just closed off to it? And I, am I just open to it? Um, you know, I never had my parents, my, my parents never really like tried to get me to stop engaging in this kind of stuff. You know, they, they were like, ah, you know, that doesn't exist. Ah, quit, you know, quit screwing around with that. It's, it's not real. They never did that to me. So you know, I, I never had to hide my, my interest in this, these kind of topics. So, you know, is, is that, you know, does, does being heavily involved with a religion where you're told that these things don't exist and you're not supposed to mess with it. And, you know, it, it's, you know, like with the Catholic church, it, you know, trying to contact the dead is divination. 
Oh, <clears throat> I talked to Archbishop Christina Rake out of the old, <clears throat> the old Catholic Church in in Chicago, Illinois, and she can cite several instances throughout the Bible, the old, the old Catholic Bible, that you know the the book of the Bible is is basically about ministering to the dead, you know, and there's there's a lot of things that people point to that. You know, you're supposed to continue, continue to minister to the dead. And that's a way, you know, to keep their spirit, you know, active in in, in your lives. Um, there's so many different conflicting things when when you start getting into religion about about the after <laughs> afterlife and, and stuff like that. You know, it, is it is it because of indoctrination? And, and I'm not saying religion is bad, but, you know, if if you're preached that enough, is, does that shut down? Does it make you less receptive to things happening in your everyday life that normally you would be like, wow, that was really weird. And I don't understand why that was. And to jumping to, Oh, that must've been the wind or, you know, <laughs> the wind blew the, my windows open. So my keys flew off the table and landed on the floor because the wind pushed them off. You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, now I don't know why my keys are on the floor, but I, I just watched them get blown off the table. You know, um, keys are pretty heavy. Wind through a window is not going to do that. Um, but, you know, it, it makes me wonder why have I stayed? And I'm a very logical minded person. I'm not, I don't jump to everything as paranormal. I don't jump to every fart in the woods as Bigfoot. You know, I, I spent enough time out there to know that there's a lot of, there's a lot of things out there. Um, but man, you know, sometimes a chair is just a chair, but sometimes, sometimes it's different, you know, and I feel very fortunate that I've been able to go through my life and have those experiences. Some things have been scary. You know, some things have been like, man, I don't ever want to have that again. Um, but for the most part, you know, and, and I talked about this with um, s several people who who go on paranormal investigations. You know, you turn on a TV show, um, Ghost Adventures in particular, where everything's a portal to hell. Everything is demonic. And you know, I've got friends that have been in the paranormal investigative world for 25 years. And they'll, they'll tell you that it's like, I've never once been somewhere that I felt that was, you know, under siege by some kind of demonic force. You know, it's usually either something that's residual or it's, you know, playful in a trickstery kind of way. Um, or it's just something that's trying to get your attention. You know, do I think that spirits are trapped here? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that they've lost their way. I think they're here for, you know, like, like I told you, my dad, that, that whole thing. Um, I don't know why it took nine months, but it was here for a short period of time and then it was gone. And I've never had anything that even remotely would make me think that it was him again. Maybe that's just the way it works. Maybe, maybe there's no rhyme or reason to it, you know, maybe he just wanted to make sure that I was okay. You know, my mom had moved out of the house. She had gotten another, um, boyfriend. Um, 
I was in, I was living in the home alone. Maybe he was just making sure I was okay. You know, maybe he, maybe he had a delayed realization that something bad happened to him and he didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, I, I don't know what it was, but it was very obviously him. And I don't know. It's just strange. It, it, you know, the, the frustrating part about this is in, in, I've enjoyed it a lot more since I've gotten past that whole trying to explain it, not to anybody else, but to myself, um, and just be able to, um, kind of relish the fact that for whatever reason, I'm open enough to, to be able to experience these things because it makes the world so much more interesting. Um, when, when you do get to experience those things, you know, I talked to some people who, you know, they're, if it doesn't happen in the Bible, <laughs> they're that that's the only thing that they can, if it doesn't happen in the Bible, it's not true. And I'm like, oh my God, if you open your eyes and you were, you know, could privy yourself to the, the other things your, your view of God would be so much bigger and so much more expanded uh, is so much more infinite than what you're giving him credit for. Um, you know, and I, I refer to God myself, I refer to as the creator because I'm not convinced that, you know, the, the God that we're taught to, taught to believe in the Bible is, is necessarily the God. Um, you know, I mean, there's so many religions throughout the world that have so many similar events, so many, so many flood events, so many resurrection events, so many, so many religions that talk about the, the spiritual ascension. And, you know, when you start getting back into the books that were before the Bible and that have been omitted from the Bible and stuff like that, you read about, you know, who's referred to as Christ, um, by a different name, Yeshua, um, you know, going over to India and, and studying the, uh, those, those religions. And, you know, I just, I think, I think at the end of the day, I arrive at the same place as, as many of these people who are, are very religious. And that's that there is a creator and that there is a, there is a, a universal spirit that, that I think we're all a part of and that we'll all probably return to when, when our earthly bodies are, are, are done. Um, I just, the, the books and, and all that just, they don't do it for me. Um, no disrespect intended to, to anyone. I just, I have to, so many questions and, you know, that, that whole thing, when you start asking questions and they tell you, you just got to believe it's like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just got to believe. You know? Yeah. So, but I, I, I just think the world is so, um, you know, especially right now, the world is so screwed up. There are so many things to be worried about and so many things to be concerned about. You know, are we, are we on the, on the precipice of a, a world war? Is it going to be nuclear? Um, you know, is there going to be another pandemic or, you know, are we going to be able to pay our bills? Are groceries going to go up even more? 
Um, you know, how much higher can gas prices go? You know, <laughs> how much higher can mortgage rates go? Um, the, this is, you know, such a, such a uniquely gratifying diversion, you know, when you get into this stuff and you start realizing the sheer number of strange things that are out there that we have no idea about, you know, and sometimes for a brief moment, it kind of gives you a little bit of relief in that you, you're not worried about what the hell they're going to say on tonight's, you know, world news. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's been a, it's been a great trip. I wouldn't change any of it. Um, I'm, I'm so fortunate to have been able to start this podcast and talk to, you know, hundreds of people that have, have had unusual experiences. And the thing I, you know, I, I talked to all these people and they have, the different, they have differing viewpoints. They have different religious views. Um, it doesn't necessarily change my perspective. It doesn't change my beliefs. Sometimes it challenges them. It makes me think about them harder. Um, but the thing that is wonderful about it, that it does do for me is it gives me a chance to, when you pay attention to somebody who's got a different belief system or a different, uh, a wildly different perspective on stuff, that gives me a new tool in my, in my bag that I can look at something from somebody else's perspective. I can, I can adopt that perspective that, you know, the guest from episode 97 had and, and look at this perplexing thing that's in front of me and look at it from a different perspective and say, well, you know, maybe this is what they were talking about. Um, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to change my belief or change my perspective, uh, but it does let me see things in, in somebody else's light. And that I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing about what I'm, what I'm doing to be able to have that ability. Um, it's personally, totally, personally gratifying. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that. That's one of the things I love about doing, you know, the Grand Rapids ghost hunters one is because like I've had a lot of guests on that, you know, like I don't agree with what, you know, their kind of worldview, but I can always find something I can learn from them. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> that's why I like having and hearing other people's perspectives whose beliefs are different than mine, because you can still learn from them. <laughs> sure. Don't have valuable stuff to learn. It, you know, and, and I know this is this is not a topic that's very popular these days, but it's okay to disagree, and it yeah. doesn't mean you and I have to walk away hating each other because we see we see things differently. You yeah. know, <laughs> we're so used to you know these these polarizing um, attitudes and these differences. And I think a lot of it is, you know, mostly political, politically driven, you know, my God, man, if you're not a Republican, holy cow, or if you're not a Democrat, look out, you know, I'm not going to talk to you. I can't stand you. Or, you know, these people that are just berating people on Facebook because of, you know, a, a specific belief. Um, man, let's go back to the old ways. It's okay to have a different perspective. It's okay to have differing views. And we can have a conversation about it and it can be enlightening for both you and me. And we can still walk away and say, Hey, let's go have a beer. It doesn't mean we have to think exactly the same. It yeah. does. I mean, how boring, how 
could you imagine if everybody had the same viewpoint? If everybody believed exactly the same thing, you, you wouldn't have any reason to talk to anybody. Well, I was, I already know what he thinks. I already know what she thinks. I know what she's going to say. Yeah. Uh, the, world, the world would make no advancement either because you need, right. you need the people that are going to challenge. Cause if you look at like most like any great inventions or stuff like that, it started from some, like a lot of them started from somebody like, Oh, this is the way the world is. And they're like, or like, like, no, I'm, I think we've managed to give this a try. Yeah. You know, like, like that's where like a lot of stuff started from is just, somebody seeing the world differently or being able to see something other people kind of see. Well, and it's the only way that things are proven. You know, you have people that are making, making suggestions about something and they wind up being wrong. And then you have other people that are making suggestions and those things end up being proven. Right. And it's just like, you know, I've, I've got some friends that are, are Christian. And, you know, when, when we talk about these kind of things, it's, it's, cool to see their perspective because a lot of times they're it's very black and white it's either of the good and the light or it's of the dark and the bad there is no in between it's either of god or it's of the devil to me with what i've seen and what i've talked to about there is every day that goes by that that distance between total good and total bad. There's a lot of different, there's a lot of different things in between there. Yeah. And sometimes they kind of lean a little bit towards the bad, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're bad. And sometimes they lean towards the good, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're good. There's a lot of things in between. And uh, that I think is so much more interesting. So I may be completely wrong. I could be completely off my rocker. Um, and, and if somebody can, show me that and, and prove it. <laughs> I'll be like, you know what? You're right. I'm nuts. Um, but I don't think I am. I, I think there's, there's just so much out there that we've been on for two hours now. So that's been giving up for like two episodes. So okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to wrap it up now because my phone battery here is getting low, but I definitely right. like to have you on again. Oh, or sure. if, uh, if you ever want me on as a guest on your show too, I would love to do that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah. If you have any final thoughts or anything um, um, before we wrap up or who'd you like to give like a little, there's anything <laughs> that you wanted to cover or something. Final thoughts, man. Um, I, I guess, you know, the, the one thing that um, I always try to impart to my listeners um, and I think I do it through how I conduct my, my conversations, you know, it's an interview, it's an interview show. <clears throat> but it's, it's a conversation based, you know, so I don't sit down with a, a pad of paper with my questions ahead of me, <clears throat> excuse me. My questions come from the conversation. And uh, I, I think that makes it a, I think it makes it a more honest, um, more honest conversation. And the thing that I just encourage people is, have an open mind. You know, that is something that is so, so lost on today, on today's society, have an open mind, use critical thought and follow your gut. You know, I mean, if it sounds like a duck and it looks like a duck, but it floats upside down, 
maybe it's not a duck, you know, <laughs> maybe it's something else. Um, but yeah, critical thought and open-mindedness. Um, and, and just, man, make an effort to be nice to people. You know, this, it's, if you catch somebody doing something good, man, shout them out, you know, just tell them, Hey, uh, I'm finding that with, you know, like going to, uh, fast food restaurants and stuff like that, man, you got, you got some really angry, bitter people out there that are working for wages that are nothing. And when you catch somebody out there doing something that is like, holy crap, man, you're doing a great job, you know, go get your boss. I want to tell him how, what a good job you're doing. You know, I, I think that goes a long way. So, um, other than that, man, I just, anybody who's watching, if you're, if you've heard me and I interest you at all, I encourage you to go to uncomfortable podcast. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Alexa, I, every Every one of the big pod catchers carries it. Um, easiest way to find me is just type in the search uncomfortable Eric and it'll come up. And uh, if you want to get a hold of me, contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. I'm interested in talking to anybody who's had some crazy experiences and wants to get off their chest. So uh, thanks, Eric, for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Brandon. I've had a ball. It's been great talking to you. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media.